Welcome back to the Simple Farmhouse Life podcast. Today, Kathleen from Oak Abode and I are going to be talking about keeping chickens. Right now, it's that time of year again where all the feed stores have chicks and you might be pull, feeling a little bit of that pull, that tug to put a few in a box and bring them home. But at the same time, maybe you're intimidated or maybe you're a seasoned chicken keeper who just likes to hear other chicken keepers talk about chickens. And so either way, this episode is for you. We are going to talk about the needs for keeping chickens, some of our favorite breeds, and just our experiences and our homesteads and how we keep chickens. My name is Lisa, mother of seven and creator of the blog and YouTube channel, Farmhouse on Boone. Join me as I share with you my love for creating a handmade home from scratch cooking and a little mom and entrepreneur life along the way. Well, thanks so much for joining me anyways. Wow. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you for that. having me. This is a lot of fun. Start by introducing yourself and your farm. I, I follow you on Instagram. I don't know if you're on any other platforms or anything like that, but yeah, tell us the best okay. places. So we're, I think we do most of our work on YouTube now. Um, we do have an Instagram and okay. basically we're kind of in transition. So we started out just kind of with the backyard chicken thing. And uh, I know a lot of people say they're the gateway drug to homesteading, yes. which is totally <laughs> true for us. Yeah. Uh, we had a lot of fun with that. So we um, bought, we just bought 20 acres of land, which we're going to build on. And kind of in the interim, we are renting a farm property. So right now we're on about 12 acres, but it's not where we're going to be permanently. Oh, so that brings up some interesting dynamics. Like your <laughs> chicken setup, for example, probably is somewhat temporary. Yeah, we, um, we started out with just so we've had two chicken coops at our suburban property the first one was kind of like a trial coop and we learned a lot from it and the second yeah. one was a lot better um, but we did disassemble it to move it but on the property we're at now there's already a stable there with no other animals in it well when we moved there there were no other animals so we just kind of put them in one of the stalls built some roosts and put their feet in there and it's yeah. been working great so we just haven't gotten around to reassembling that coop but um, yeah, hopefully in the future we'll have like a, a much bigger setup or a pasture setup type thing. Yeah. So there's so many options. If somebody's brand new to chickens, there's chicken tractors, which are mobile so that they can get access to fresh grass and bugs. You move them around each day. There's the coop and run scenario to where they have a grass area that they can run out to. Then there's more of just coop where, I don't know. I'm assuming most people at least have some kind of run. And then there's free range, yeah. which that has all of its own <laughs> controversy. <and> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've had both. So okay. what are you guys doing right now? Well, so we have a silo and a barn and then in between there's basically a structure okay. and that is where is the chicken coop. And then we have a run built that's pretty good size, but they eat it down very quickly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you have chickens on something full-time, there's pretty much no way for it to grow back. Yeah. And then we also have a chicken tractor, okay. which we originally just started with a chicken tractor and we had about 12 chickens, I believe at that time. Oh, so you started with a tractor first. We started with the tractor first. Well, we, we started on our quarter acre where we used to live with just a coop with a very small underneath one because it was in town and we weren't really, I don't really know if we we're allowed to have chickens there, but so they kind of needed to be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They kind of needed to be sort of under wraps just in case. Yep. And so that's where we started. And then with this property, we built the, uh, was it Green Willow Homesteads? 
chicken tractor plans, okay. which are great. And then we decided that we were getting more chickens last year. And so we were, we wanted two different spaces, one for the new ones before they got to a certain size. So that way, you know, the big ones wouldn't hurt them. And so we put the new chicks in the chicken tractor and then built another run situation. That's when we turned that barn area into a coop for the older chickens. So I don't, don't really know what exactly we're going to do this coming year because there there's chickens in both areas. And actually, my husband just told me today, I guess we need to order chicks. I'm like, wait a minute. I thought we had plenty and I'm surprised you're saying <laughs> So this. he's the instigator here. I like that. Okay. Not usually. <laughs> not at all. Okay, okay. So that was really surprising. Yeah. 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 So what's your setup? currently like where you are? Yep. So we have, we just have them in a stall. Um, I think the people actually who were here before us had chickens in that stall too. So kind of had, it okay. was like a chicken friendly stall. Um, I guess the biggest bummer about where they are right now and what I can't wait to change is we had in that second coop we built, we had one of those automatic chicken doors and I'll be totally honest, it doesn't work a hundred percent of the time, but it kind of mitigated that room for error when I would be late to shut them in and, or like heaven forbid, I forget some nights. So it was kind of like a buffer and we don't have that buffer right now. So every night we're trekking out to the barn to close the door manually, but that is something I'm really excited to get in again on the next one. Um, and then, yeah, I am really curious about the the chicken tractor and I guess your experience with it and how you've liked it, because I think my biggest thing is I want to take care of the chickens as best as I can for them, but also as I can for me. So I'm not big on like cleaning out a coop yeah. every day. And I really like the idea of moving them a lot. So I'm always curious to hear if people enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about what is the door? I'm not familiar with that, what you're talking about. So, oh, the automatic chicken doors? Yeah. So yes, I've like never a, heard of that yeah, before. <laughs> it is awesome. So they are definitely a little bit controversial. Like people in the homesteading community will say, you know, it promotes laziness or like, I get that side of it too. Um, like I said, it's more of a buffer for us. Yeah. So it just, it will open and close at the same time that you set it every day. Oh, um, as long as it's working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just ours, the one we have has like a string and it raises it up and down and it's not like people worry like, well, what if it closes on the chicken? It's very light, like, and it goes very, very slow. So they just kind of move out of the way. Um, but yeah, it has been really nice for kind of that like dusk time of day where the owls come out and, um, I think some of the raccoons come out too. So yeah, it helps mitigate that threat a little bit, but we do still go out and make sure everybody looks good for the night and everybody's tucked in. So it doesn't eliminate the care, but it does add a little bit of a buffer. Yeah. If you forget, or if you're out of town or something, um, that's actually yeah. really interesting. I have never, I can't believe I've never even heard of that option at all. <laughs> so we, I guess it's like a lazy people thing. <laughs> I mean, no, actually, um, we don't have predator problems here. And I always, every time okay. I say that, I say knock on wood because, yep. you know, one night something's going to come and take our whole entire flock. But we used to shut the door every single night. We've lived here for three years and we've never had a single issue. That, wait, so... Did you do they have like a run that they go into or they just go in and out and they're cool? So, I mean, a, a lot of our chickens actually choose to roost. I don't know how they got in this habit, but we built. Well, I, I guess I know how. So we first built the run and it was very it wasn't like super official. We just put up some chicken wire and made like this little run area because we had this overgrown woods and we thought, oh, we'll just let them out in this little area and they will clean it up. And before we like got everything all established. We hadn't built any roosting bars yet in the coop area. 
and they got in the habit of roosting on the top of a fence post that was close to it. (laughs) And so they still roost out there like pretty much every single night. And this has gone on for a long time and no predators. So they don't actually get locked in at all. And even the chicken tractor has, so it's built to where the ramp goes up to, you know, lock them in at night and they go up there, but we definitely don't close it every single night. And again, we've never had a predator. So I think maybe we're just getting overly confident, but. (laughs) Well, I don't, I wouldn't beat yourself up about that because I remember in the property we used to live at when we were kind of in the suburbs where we are right now, there is a pretty serious coyote threat, especially we were actually fine until winter hit. And then we lost like a couple chickens in a couple days and we were like, yeah. And we could just tell by the way it happened. We were like time to lock them in. So I think the jury's still out on if we're going to rearrange them next summer or not. Now that the coyotes know that they're there. We'll see. We'll, we'll play it by ear, but the property we were at before was kind of like a small town that was surrounded by farmland. And Mm -hmm. my theory is that I think the coyotes and the raccoons and everything stuck to the farmland and they, cause they don't want to deal with people if they don't have to, you know? Yeah. Right. So I think we, that's when we were kind of like you guys, like we never had, we saw a possum one time, but it was just eating the eggs. It didn't bug the chicken. So yeah, yeah I think everybody's property is just different and you just kind of have to experiment for what is best for your property. Right. I don't think there's one, one rule that fits everybody. Yeah. I mean, we, so we also do have a dog and he's a very intimidating dog. And so Luke thinks maybe that that has, is why we haven't had sure. much problem. But then also we don't live yep. in the middle of nowhere. It kind of appears okay. that we do, which I've shared okay. on this podcast before. It looks it looks like it because we have an old house, an old barn, an old silo, and there's seven acres. But there's actually development like everywhere around us. And so sure. we don't have much issue even with deer. People are like, well, how do you keep your deer from getting in the garden? I'm like, we don't have deer. <laughs> like, we don't have anything. <laughs> like guilty to say that. I know. I know. It's really I felt easy. the same way. Yeah. 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 I think that's great. And that's a good, I think that's something people should consider too. You know, when they're looking at property, I think I know for myself, I, when we decided we wanted to do the homesteading thing, we wanted like so much land as fast as possible. And as soon as we got out of that area that we were in, like we we're just have this whole new set of challenges. Right. So sometimes there's things that I miss about where we were um, and yeah, just learning to work with whatever you have. And, and I think it can work out pretty well. Yeah, there definitely are trade-offs because sometimes we want to be more in the middle of nowhere. And, but then like where my parents live, they're more in the middle of nowhere and they have had chickens before and they don't last. Even when they close them in at night, yeah. something gets in and oh, that's kills everyone. So yeah. what, like, well, like coyotes or what was that I don't even there? know. I don't even know what probably yeah. that are, uh, yeah. Do raccoons? I think raccoons. I don't know. Everything can kill a chicken. They can kill yeah. them from above. Right. They bird, pre- yep. bird yeah. predators. Yeah. They're just yeah. security's a is an issue. Yeah. They taste. I mean, they taste good. Yeah. 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 They taste like yeah, chicken. for sure. <laughs> like you can't blame them. Like everything loves to eat chickens. So, right. Um, yeah, I, I remember when I first got into chickens, I was like reading everything I could. It was like, everybody was like, you have to, you know, it's a hard work lot. You have to bury it a foot underground and like, you have to, they're real specific with materials. And I think it was really intimidating reading about all that. And I think there are definitely areas where that's necessary if you want to keep chickens. But looking back, I kind of wish I could tell myself that, you know, 
things are going to happen. You're going to make mistakes either way. Like it's okay to start out where you can. And then if you find out you need to kind of ramp it up, you have to be pre- prepared for heartbreak, of course, which is never fun. Yeah. But um, yeah, I guess I, I wish I hadn't gotten so scared by the whole predator thing right at the beginning. Yeah. And for some farms, it's, it is more of a problem. But then for some, like you said, it's really not. My sister actually one year in the summer, she had an issue where gnats were killing her chickens. Have you heard of that? No. Were they, we had, we had a crazy year of gnats. No, they were like going up there wherever they breathe and. Oh my gosh, it's horrible. (laughs) Where is that? Yeah, she thought that's what was happening because we had so many gnats that year. It was, was, I think about two or three years ago and she Googled it and sure enough, it's a thing. So yeah, they can. Be prepared that a few can definitely die. So don't, yeah. don't name them all. I mean, some people do right. name them all. But... <laughs> don't do that mistake. Yeah. It's uh yeah. Yeah. They're, they're very, I mean, I guess kind of on that point too, like not to intimidate people who haven't gotten into chickens yet either, but man, like not only does everything love to eat chickens, but they're also, I think pretty fragile in terms of they are. like, that's a perfect example. I think they've been bred to lay eggs, right. And as many as possible, as fast as possible, a lot of them. So um, yeah, I know they, they have a lot of health issues that can come with them too. So, and I, I never would have known about the nest. Yeah. Yeah. That was a weird <laughs> thing. As far as the needs for chickens, if somebody's trying to get into this brand new, you have shelter, security, food, water. Um, is there anything else you can think of? Am I missing something? That's my main four too. I think I always say shelter, protection, food and water. Um, and then kind of, I think as added on to the shelter and protection in terms of environment, I think um, dry is best. So I think a lot of people run into problems when their chicken coop, I mean, we all have a lot of fun with them, right? So we always end up with more chickens than we plan to, and they tend to get a little bit cramped. So um, moisture is generally not your friend with chickens. And I think a lot of people run into a lot of health problems with chickens because there is just too wet. Um, or they don't have the right materials in the living area. So that's kind of the other thing I add in. That's just be really conscious of kind of the, the moisture, the bedding, especially in the winter for winter care. But yeah. yeah, other than that, I think they're pretty simple. What are you using to, you know, make sure the moisture is as low as possible? Yeah. So I think probably the one big mistake that people can be prone to is just making a really, really secure coop and then sealing it up. And that's not from what I understand, that's not what you want to do. So the way that we set up our favorite coop we've had to date is that the the area kind of on chicken level, so where they would roost and lower, was it didn't have any drafts, but above there was lots of airflow. So the moisture could escape out of the top, but the chickens also weren't getting like cold air blown at them all the time. So it ended up being a pretty good balance for us. Yeah. And as far as winter care, are you doing heat lamps or anything like that? Yeah, I don't know what zone you're in either. We are in it zone. It is. <laughs> like, get ready for people to get heated. Yeah, uh, no like everything. <laughs> um, we're in mm-hmm. zone 5A, I want to say. And we, okay. um, yeah, so we're in southeastern Wisconsin. And we don't use heat lamps, personally. Um, we had that set up, like I said, where we kind of block the drafts. We provide a lot of airflow. I've spent so much time reading chicken forums where people get so excited about the same topic and something that really stuck out to me is that a lot of people say they'll be like in Alaska keeping chickens on three-sided in three-sided shelters and that they're fine now it's the internet so you can't always you know trust everything you read but um, for us we haven't I, I think the biggest cold problem we've had 
is frostbite on chickens with the longer combs. And, Mm -hmm. you know, fortunately that's something they can live through and something that we do what we can because of that. We've gotten more conscious about the breeds that we choose and probably won't choose as many like that. But um, yeah, I think that's the main thing that we've dealt with. Obviously eggs cracking is kind of like my indicator. So the first coop that we had, eggs would crack so fast and it was just drafty. We built it out of repurposed materials. It wasn't the best setup, but um, I guess kind of the main difference is I've been amazed just how much the chicken's body heat will warm the area by just keeping it draft free and then allowing the air to escape out the top because the eggs rarely crack for us or what they did rarely crack for us when we were in that coop. So um, that's what I considered a, a success. Yeah, we're, we're the same. I've, I read that chickens will regulate and figure out how to adapt to the climate. And so by giving them something like a heat lamp, that's actually preventing their natural process of being able to tolerate it. But like you said, the breeds are really important too. So certain climates, you might need to worry more about which breeds can sustain heat because I've had more trouble actually with heat than I have cold for chickens. And so certain ones are more hardy to that. I'm sure where you live, that's probably not as much of an issue. Where do you live again? I live in Missouri, oh, so yeah. we're we're not super hot, but I mean, it can get oh, yeah. you not like all summer long, but it can reach a hundred yeah, degrees. Yeah, sure. And so that's the biggest threat from what we've experienced with chickens is more the heat than the cold. People usually think the opposite. They don't worry that much about yeah. the heat, but we've actually only lost a chicken actually one time. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> we've yeah. only lost a chicken from heat, never cold. Sure. So. so what do you guys do to keep them cooler when it's really hot outside? I mean... <sighs> Just lot, plenty of water, plenty of airflow. Um, it hasn't been a huge problem, but I do imagine in some climates that would be really important if you're living any further south, you know. Sure. When you were talking about your chickens roosting outside, my first thought was like they probably are so much happier that way during the summer. Probably. I feel, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always feel so bad locking my chickens in when they're panting. And we actually ended up making a separate door that had like a screen on it so that we could have a little more airflow in there in the summer. But yeah, yeah, they, that heat uh, is, is definitely scary. I don't, have you ever tried dunking your chickens in water? Is that crazy? I <laughs> not, haven't. Not no. like all the way, obviously. <laughs> oh my gosh. My first summer with chickens, I was so nervous because it was so hot outside. I felt so bad for them that, um, yeah, I put them in like a little kiddie pool and made them like cool down a little bit. I'm sure they hated it, but it, well, I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, they, <laughs> They have, ours have some, depends on what watering, sometimes we're using an open water and so they can get into there and get water, but they did get in the habit of roosting outside in the summer because that's when we started all of this. That, that could be why they did that. And then you know how all animals, most animals are very, they get into habits. Sure. And so that's where they roost now, even though it's winter. (laughs) Yeah. That's great. Good for them. They found out what works. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about breeds. I think this is the most common question I get. And especially when it comes to when I show my egg basket that has browns and green and blue, all those pretty colors, people are wondering what breeds are you getting? So what are some of your favorites? Okay. So I, man, I've thought so much about my favorite breeds of chickens. It's always changing, full disclosure. And I think (laughs) it changes depending on what our goals are, which are always changing. But right now, my favorite, I think are the 
and this is controversial as well, the Black Copper it, Moran, it, Morans. Aren't they like, all? How do you say that? Yeah. <laughs> I, I say it like that, Black Copper okay. Moran or Moran. Or, okay. Yeah, I always say okay. things wrong, though, so trust yeah. me, I get in trouble for that all the time. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I saw a thread about that whole thing, and people were like, this thread needs to be deleted for misinformation. Like, it was about the pronunciation oh of the word. I was like, wow. Uh, so yeah, I'm I always messing stuff up. Right, same. So that's why I was like, I need to disclose. I don't know how to say it correctly, but I think those are my favorites. Number one, because for us, they have been the best at evading predators. So we have, when we've lost chickens, they've generally been lighter in color. And I don't, I know it's not proven that that's a thing, but for us, that's what we've it noticed. Makes sense. Yeah, I think they're easier to spot from above. And I know there's a theory that if they look like crows, that hawks are more likely to leave them. I don't know, but um, they've been evasive of the predators, number one, and number two, they lay those gorgeous chocolate, almost yes. reddish brown yes. eggs. They're so pretty, and I found, I don't know about you, but I found ours have been very consistent with laying throughout the winter, so um, yeah, I think those are probably my favorites at the moment. What about you? Yeah, I really like those. I feel like we need more of them because whenever we have one of those dark eggs, there's there are very few of them throughout the egg oh. carton and I always want more of them because I, I picked a whole lot of Americanas last year so we have yeah, a lot yeah, of light okay. blue eggs and it seems so silly to care but it is so fun to go out to the coop and collect just this colorful basket and so I didn't worry about that at all the first several years that we had chickens I just always went up to the feed store usually Orshelin picked up uh leghorns and what are the ones so many lay just Brown, not the dark brown, but just sure. the regular brown. Sure. Trying to think of like the yep. most yep. common ones you see. Plymouth Bard Rock. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think that's it. Those are really common at our local store. So I usually just grab those, but then lately I've been actually ordering them online and ordering them special so that we can get this variety. Last year I ordered some olive eggers. Mm. Those are really pretty. It's my second favorite. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I know. I need to get some more of those. The oh, leghorns. Okay. So those lay the most eggs per year at least that I could find but they're all just the white eggs and so not as pretty of the variation so I guess it like you said it totally depends on your goals and you know what you're trying to achieve with your eggs now as far as food because another question I get a lot what are you feeding your chickens yeah uh, as far as food goes for us this is not my area of expertise so um, actually this is something that we want to change in the future we have been just kind of buying whatever is generic at the feed store we're going to go through a few different feed stores so um, i think as we're getting more into chicken keeping and homesteading we want to shift away from i know they do, they do like some soy free feeds which i don't think we're feeding them right now um, so that's something i'd like to move towards and i think the main change in our chicken keeping goals since we started keeping chickens when we started out we were kind of wanting like pretty chickens and like you were saying like as many eggs as possible now we're kind of moving more towards sustainability so what breeds can we buy that are going to lay us eggs but are also going to provide meat if we need meat but also um, you know are, are good at kind of eating from the land and free ranging and basically all that to say we are going to try and plant like a, a chicken food plot okay. on our land when we get that going so we don't know a lot about the feed right now but I definitely want to learn a lot more about just the different things that you can grow on your land that you know aside from just free ranging them which helps us save money on feed bills just from a sustainability perspective that we could potentially sustain a flock ourselves if we had to yeah so plant things specifically for it it's it's hard right now because right now they're mostly just eating feed but whenever yeah. it's spring there are 
so many more opportunities for them to get bugs and garden scraps. And we're always doing food scraps as well. We have a bowl out every single day that goes out to the chickens. And so they eat a lot of that. But trying to get them out on the fresh grass is why we do things like the chicken tractor. Um, I think we were talking a little bit earlier about the chicken tractor and how that works. It It's really the perfect solution for anybody who doesn't have a whole lot of space. The downside is you do need to move it at least once. And it's better if you move it twice a day or they'll just leave a spot. It depends on how many chickens you have. But if you have, have that thing packed full and you pull it just once a day into a new spot, you will find that your grass is going to be brown and ruined. And so you have to really keep up with it, but it is the perfect solution for a, for a small operation. Do you find that the chicken tractor, um, is that reducing like the amount of feed you're feeding them, especially if you're keeping them moved? Cause I know our chickens kind of like congregate in an area and then when they've decimated that area they just like eat the feed faster you know they don't really think to expand do you feel like the tractor helps with the feed costs a little bit it does if you move it all the time so if they always have new fresh access still though i have not found that even whenever we had chickens that were free range if they don't have access to food so we just will buy i have an organic feed that i get from the feed store they have to order it special for me but it's really cheap it's good price. It's better okay. price than I could find anywhere else. I looked on like Azure okay. Standard and this one for at least for our area is cheapest. But okay. if even if they're free range and we don't give them feed, they stop laying. Have you experienced that as well? Oh. I've never we've never stopped giving ours feed, so I wouldn't I guess yeah, okay. that that would make sense. Yeah. Do you um is the organic feed that you're getting, is it the does it have the calcium in it too? Is it calcium fortified or is it more like a scratch? You no, know, I don't even okay. know. I should look at it. It's, it's not like scratch grains. It's more of a pellet. Yeah. It's an organic pellet feed, but I've heard from so many friends and homesteaders on YouTube and the internet that they just let theirs free range and they don't give them any feed. And I mean, ours completely stop laying. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I know it, I mean, it makes sense. Like I know in a lot of places of the world, I'm pretty sure chickens are just entirely free range. So um, yeah, that makes, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know what we're missing, but <laughs> yeah, maybe it's the protein or something. I'm not totally okay. sure, but okay. yeah. Do you give yours like oyster shells and grit? Where are you in, in kind of that camp? Yes, we give them, well, we give them their own eggshells back okay. and mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that counts for the same deficiencies that they would be. And then we also do do some diatomaceous earth as well. I don't know if that helps with the same kind of thing. Yeah, but. that that makes a lot of sense. And then I guess the, the free range, that's also why we like to free range ours. I guess they can get some grit in their runs depending on the run. But yeah, I, I'm curious to talk to other chicken keepers about that because there's like, it seems like there's two extremes. There's like people who are like totally hands off and there's people who are like, here's everything they need in their diet and the oyster shells and the grid. And I remember being really intimidated by all that when I first started, but we were like you, we don't, we don't really do that anymore. We do do the eggshells also though. I think that's a good hack. Yeah. Yeah. Just eggshells back to them seems to really help strengthen their eggs. I notice whenever they're starting to get a little bit soft, that's usually what they're lacking. So that's typically what we do, but yeah, I don't follow all the rules probably with anything I do. Just kind of learn along the way and see what works. But now how about winter? Are you doing any supplemental light so that they keep laying or is it a break for your chickens? Yeah, that's another hot topic. So we have never done the supplemental light. I've heard that, you know, some people come at it from like, you know, to be kinder to the chickens um, and give them a break. That's partly why we do it. Also, 
Um, I've heard that chickens, like humans, are born with a given amount of eggs that they're going to lay. And I've heard that if you supplement light in the winter, that it, it causes them to lay that amount faster. And we, a oh. little bit on our background, we are just city people. So when I got chickens, I was like, look, it's my husband. I said, I cannot handle looking at these baby chicks because I'm a city slicker and like planning on eating them. Like I just can't get to that point. I would like to get to that point in the future, <laughs> but um, just right now, like I just need to bond with them. So for that reason, if we're going to keep them for their whole lives, we just decided not to do the supplemental light because theoretically it, it might mean they lay a little bit longer, but um, I don't know how much truth there is to that or not. That's why we haven't tried it yet. If we got desperate, though, I, I think it's something we'd be open to giving a try. Yeah, I think it's something that we really need to try because we have seven kids and yeah. eggs become a problem. So we have more eggs than we know what to do with, which I need to also get into the water glassing and all of the different preserving type of things with eggs. I have not done that. Okay. But we have, you know, more than we know what to do with in the spring and then all winter we're buying eggs. So I'm like, we should yeah. really figure this out. It is so demoralizing, isn't it? When you're like coming back from grocery shopping and you eggs. have like five bags of chicken feed and like three stacks of eggs. And it's like, this is just. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. can totally relate. Yeah. We, um, one year yeah. when I was more on top of it, I scrambled them and then just in like a food processor, like in big batches, I did a dozen at a time and then I froze them kind of like a dozen at a time. And I remember we made like egg like casseroles with that in the winter. So that kind of helped offset. I, I need to look mm. into the glassing and stuff like you were talking about, though. Um, I'm not I'm so new to the food preserving world that it's all a little bit intimidating. But that's that's where we started. And it, it helped for that first couple of years, at least. Yeah. So far, we just make so many more egg dishes whenever it's spring and summer. And so we never have all these extra. But if we're eating the normal amount of eggs and not just making egg everything, I think it would make more sense to preserve some and not, you know, go all winter without having them. But yeah, one of those things that's on the list of things to learn. <laughs> so with that being said, whenever they stop laying, what are your plans for what do you do with them? And also, are you better at keeping track than me? Because we add each year more chickens and then I have no clue which ones are the old ones. <laughs> yeah. And so I know somebody's not pulling their weight, but I'm really not sure who it is. Sure. Yeah. I uh, were fortunately like I've been, I've gone through such chicken phases, you know, at the beginning it was 100% Americanas. And then I'm pretty sure it was like 100% black coverans and olive beggars. So because of that, every year to year, it's been pretty obvious, like who's starting to taper off. Um, but uh, as, yeah, as that we makes start, sense. that's what I should have done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As we start mixing and matching a little bit more, I think we're going to have to pay more attention to that. People want to be, or they don't want to consume any human yeah. eggs. And I know that's a, a big part of the reason that people get into Becker chicken keeping and they know that chickens have to die, but they also aren't like necessarily mentally prepared to do it themselves. And so I tell those people, it's okay. Like I told myself the first batch of chickens, we're not killing them. These are pets. Like they can stay here as long as they want. I also know <laughs> that financially that's not sustainable for like all the chickens that are going to come in the future. So I, that's what I told those girls. I let myself get attached to them. I named them um, and we still name them, but moving forward, I, I want to move towards more heritage breeds because I want to stop necessarily going with meat chickens versus egg layers and then you know they have to get rid of the boy you know egg layers somehow so we're trying to cut down on the amount of lives that we do consume and because of that we're planning on moving into more of a place where okay when these chickens become 
not as productive. That's when hopefully we'll be able to consume them. Like I said, <laughs> this is something that is like totally foreign to us. So I have never gotten to that place yet. Um, but I do know that as a meat consumer, I think that that's the ethical thing to do. And we have to be prepared to start taking responsibility for that at some point down the road. That's a very long-winded answer of, I don't know, but <laughs> I think that's where we're going to move towards. Yeah. I think that it's really smart because I talk about that a lot where people are against talking about butchering animals, but yet they eat meat. Well, that's just, you just aren't facing it. So at some point, I think it is more responsible to face that if you're going to continue eating meat, which we are. So with that being said, though, I am terrible at keeping track. So we just end up keeping ours forever <laughs> till they, till they die. You don't have predators and either, then, so <laughs> live in a long time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's a long time. So I don't know. I don't know exactly what the solution is for that, but it, it's, it would make sense that you somehow mark them because if you're going to be adding a dozen chicks each year and then a dozen are aging out to thin the herd, make sure you only have egg layers and you're not feeding chickens that aren't producing. That is what a smart home setter should sure. do. I know they make those little bracelets. My friend, my friend sent it to me and she was like, okay. look, you can give your chickens friendship bracelets. I was like, I don't think that's what those bracelets are for. I think they're supposed to, like, you, know, <laughs> yeah. you give the same age ones that one. But um, yeah, I think I, another thing that I encourage people to think about, which we just started becoming more conscious of is um, the... I guess the awareness behind the chick industry and obviously we are buying chicks from hatcheries and you know, we're, we're trying to learn every step of the way that we can, but something has to be done with those boy chicks that, you know, 99% of people don't want. So we want to move towards more heritage breeds, dual purpose breeds that can be both meat chickens and egg layers so that every life is going towards some kind of purpose. Um, that's, I think what we're planning for this spring. So we're going to try out a few different breeds like that. So what are some of the breeds that you're looking into for this year? Um, okay. So a few months ago I, w I was on this kick that I was like, I'm going to come up with the best olive eggers. Like I want to get all the blue layers and all the brown layers and I'm going to come up with the best olive egger that changed when we decided we didn't want to do the meat birds versus the egg layers. We want to try and have an integrated flock, um, that could breed, you know, that could reproduce itself. If we had yeah. to, we could keep producing those chickens. So I, um, I, looking into this feels wrong to say but those black copper morans are really meaty birds and they're a great dual purpose bird from what i've heard um but also i think they're the white white sussex no okay that, does that sound right it's it's a really it's a big white bird with it has like kind of that black collar and it's one of the few meat birds that breeds true so you can kind of like even those uh i know people get freedom rangers or red rangers and they I've heard that after a couple generations, they kind of just become like regular egg layers again. So I think we're going to go with just kind of the biggest medias. I think Jersey Giants are another option for us too, okay. where they will theoretically be able to continue breeding true over many generations and, um, and not have to introduce too much, you know, too many other breeds into the flock. Cool. Yeah. That's a, that's a great idea. So when are you guys building your new place? Is it starting soon? <gasps> the question <laughs> yeah it is crazy right now with yeah. labor shortages and mm -hmm. I, we are definitely working on it over the past four months we have the land and over the past few months we've been waiting for the engineer to stamp the plans and get everything finalized uh, it should go up pretty quickly once it does go up 
but uh, once you actually get started yeah oh man it has been a waiting game we did finally get the plans and it was like we're applying for permits it's just kind of one of those hurry up and wait things but um yeah so hopefully this summer to answer your question but it's it's hard to tell with everything going on you know it may be a little bit longer than that yeah well yeah it's kind of unpredictable so are you documenting all of this and setting up your new farm over on your youtube channel Yes. Yeah. So I think we've done a lot of chicken stuff on our YouTube channel. We're going to continue to put out more chicken resources. Um, I think the other thing that we want to figure out is how to build it. We're more like owner builders. So we do want to document that process and put out kind of the triumphs and the failures for people because even things like applying for permits, I had no idea how to apply for a erosion control permit. Like I have no idea what I'm doing. So when we find out how to do that kind of stuff, we're sharing it with people. And um, hopefully there's other people out there who want to learn how to build sweat equity in their home. And uh, yeah, so that's going to be more of our journey this summer. But um, after that, after the house is up, we're going to get a little back more into homesteading, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like something really fun to follow along with. Are you doing a lot of the building yourself? Yeah, that's, um, we're going to try to. And uh, we got basically a SIP house kit. So it's got like all the insulation and all the framing. It's kind of, kind of like a prefab house, but the reason we did that is because in case we can't find people to help put it up, it's something theoretically we could put up ourselves if we had to. That being said, as long as the budget allows, we're, we're probably going to pay some people to do the heavy lifting in that regard. Yeah, you could be building for a long time. <laughs> yeah. for a long time, probably forever. As it, is. I mean, yeah, the house, we did blog a little bit of our house remodel too, but it's, it's never finished, is it? <laughs> well, no, no, ours isn't either. Ours won't be. Because I always get yeah. new ideas of what I want to do after something's done. We do it again. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that, that's like the worst it's, part. It's really like fun. got this vision and then, yeah, no, styles change so fast too. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it really is. It's fun to follow along with too for viewers. I know my, my viewers like to go along with each step of the process. They like to hear what's going on in my head whenever things are happening and not just see a room reveal. So right, right, I enjoy yeah. that kind of thing. I do. I enjoy that kind of thing too. And I think it helps prepare people because I, we got into like sweat equity and remod. that's how, that was kind of how we started the blog. It ended up more of a chicken blog, but I got into it because of those like HGTV shows, you know, where everything's like hunky dory and it's like done yeah. in an hour. And I, I really thought yeah. that was realistic. So I do appreciate when other oh, yeah. people kind of share the actual process. And I think people can be yeah. a little more prepared that way. Yeah. So share with us as kind of closing, what are some tips that somebody who wants to get into chickens who has never started? I mean, some people who are listening to this might just want to hear us chat and they're totally already into chickens maybe hear some new breeds, but what about somebody who has never done chickens? They're a little bit intimidated by it. Maybe they only live in town and they want to get started. What are, what is some advice or like maybe a tip you'd give them? Mm, oh man. Um, besides just, I didn't prepare her for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a big question besides just, it's totally worth it. And it's a lot of fun and do it. Um, I guess I would tell people don't yeah. be too intimidated by there's so much advice out there. And that's one of the biggest things with our content is I try to just like dumb it down and simplify it because there's so much different advice and it's coming from people in different environments and um, people with different goals with chickens. So I try and tell people kind of like you were talking about the four basics for their chicken care. And uh, I think the other big thing is just let yourself make mistakes. You know, I think a lot of us care a lot about the animals and I think that's how it should be. 
but also I think we we're all gonna make mistakes and that's okay you know like as long as you're doing your best and you're doing yeah. some research there are gonna be failures along the way chickens are gonna get sick some of them might get taken for predators uh, be prepared for it but also don't beat yourself up too much and also know that when you're beating yourself up that's totally normal too i i remember reading this blog post where this woman was just talking about like why is it so hard to lose chickens especially the first few times i think because we feel so much responsibility for them but man there is there's no lesson like just doing it you know yourself and and once you make a mistake mm -hmm. once you're probably never going to make that mistake again. So even those people who are out there on Instagram and on YouTube posting their chickens, everything looks great all the time. They're making mistakes too. And, you know, we're a generation that wasn't necessarily raised around this for a lot of us. So learning through trial and error is totally okay too. So tell us where to best find you. It's Okabode over on yep. YouTube. Okabode, O-A-K-A-B-O-D-E. And then that's our YouTube and also our Instagram. So our Instagram is oak underscore abode. We did just start a podcast too, which we're just also a lot of trial and error with that one, but having fun on yeah, oh, okay. experimenting on that one. Yeah. So those are kind of our three main platforms. Yeah. So what is your, is your podcast also called oak abode? Yep. The oak abode podcast. And we're, yeah, it's mostly Perfect. talking about our, our house, house stuff right now, but especially as chick seasons coming along, we're going to do a, a little bit more of that too. Yeah. And now is the time. So when this is coming out, go check your local feed store there. They have chicks and it's time for you to bring home a little box of them and get started. <laughs> and, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, I think a lot of people do it as an impulse buy and then they're yes. like, what have I gotten myself yeah. into? But yeah, it's a journey and just enjoy the journey. I was at the feed store the other day with my kids getting some other things. I needed to get some overalls and like boots and things. And I, I didn't leave with chicks, but I'm like, how did I just not leave with chicks? Like we're going to, at some point I'm going to cave and we're going to get more chicks, even though we have plenty. Yeah. We have yeah. to, right? But the, the funny part is the more, the more I've gotten and the more chickens I have, the easier I find it to leave without chicks. Our neighbors bought some silkies as an impulse buy. And oh my gosh, the problems they're having with those silkies are, you know, never ending. So the more I see okay. it happen, the more I'm like... Maybe we maybe got I this. don't eat chicks quite yet. Yeah, we're good. We're wait yeah, we're waiting till the weather warms up a little bit more so we can push them outside. <laughs> that's the fun part. That's yeah, I know we're kind of closing, but that yes, that's another tip. I've gotten chickens in February and I've gotten them in April and I'm like, why did I why did I ever get February <laughs> chicks? That's when you are supposed to get them, but I'm right. really not sure why, because that's not spring. So yeah, there's another tip. Wait till April. Right, right. yeah. <laughs> Your sanity will thank you. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, thank you so much for joining me and I will definitely leave links down in the show notes for all of the great places to find you and follow along with your home build and building your farm pretty much come from scratch it sounds like raw land to over the next several years this will unfold <laughs> 50 years later yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> cool <laughs> well thank you very much lisa it's been a lot of fun talking and um we're looking forward to keep in touch more all right well thank you so much for listening to this episode of the simple farmhouse life podcast be sure to go check out oak abode on youtube and follow their journey for their homestead as always thank you so much for listening and i'll see you in the next episode of the simple farmhouse life podcast mm -hmm.